Welcome to the Biz and Tech Podcast. This is our first episode in many, 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 many months where we haven't had plexiglass and masks or done it remotely. We never stopped the Biz and Podcast show uh, last year. We kept it going so we could engage with our audience. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Today we have Sally Bradshaw, owner of Midtown Reader here in the studio. Hello and welcome. Thank you, Blake. I'm glad to be with you. Awesome. Uh, first up, a quick cybersecurity talk. Colonial Pipeline, Solar Winds, CNA Insurance. We have seen it all with cyber incidents so far in 2021. If you're not using two-factor authentication, have a very unique and complex password, advanced threat protection tools, enterprise-level firewall, all that good stuff. It's time to get serious because the hackers are just getting even more serious as CNA paid out $40,000, $40 million. That's a little bit of a difference. Um, and Colonial paid out $5 million, So that's only going to Gosh. encourage people to do more. Just like in the old Reagan years, we don't negotiate with terrorists. We should not <laughs> negotiate with hackers. But we have found ourselves in the precarious situation where our businesses and government are doing so. So be safe out there. And now... Back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> Sally owns the coolest shop in Midtown Tallahassee, Midtown Reader. I love going there. And when I went during the pandemic and strolled by and, um, you know, I like didn't have a mask or was just going to get to go talk to Republic, I'm like, ah, oh, I missed the experience. But, you know, when I did go in there at the end of last year, you know, with my mask, and your mm -hmm. staff was always so helpful. What a great... What a great store. What Thank a great you. story. We look forward to hearing more about it. So um, tell us what's up with Midtown Reader and Sally Bradshaw. So this is year five. We are. We like to joke that we're in our second term as a bookstore. And so we <laughs> actually um, launched the idea of a bookstore in the spring of 2016, probably March, April, and opened in October of 2016. So this is year five for us. We're really excited. And like a lot of small That's a great businesses, congrats. oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, like a lot of small businesses, we were concerned about the pandemic, as you might imagine, and how we would weather the storm. But Tallahassians really stepped up and invested in local businesses and in our local bookstore. And so we pivoted. We did a lot of things to accommodate um, people during uh, the coronavirus, but we have survived and. And we actually had over a 20% sales increase in 2020. So I'm really proud of our team and grateful wow, awesome. to the community for leaning in and shopping local. So. And you did pivot in some unique ways. Did I see a delivery service last year? We, we did a lot of things. We sort of sat down in a panic and said, okay, what do we do to keep the doors open? And that involved several things. We did close for about eight weeks to get mm. our bearings. There was such uncertainty in April, May, June of, of last year, as you'll remember, about how we were going to manage this um, dystopian novel that we were all living in. And we closed, but then reopened with curbside delivery. We really leaned into our online business, and our sales grew about 300% with our website, midtownreader.com. And we also got an electric delivery car that was repurposed from a farm that my husband and I run, a chicken farm, and wrapped it, was it in. Cool it was cool. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Wrapped in the Midtown Reader uh, logo, and we actually do delivery. So you can shop in a variety of ways for Midtown Reader, and hopefully it's a really pleasant experience where you see a lot of curated content that is unique to this area. So we, our team did it. We leaned in and did it, and that's because of, again, the community being so supportive. Well, job so, well done. Oh, thank you. Uh, Matt, the, <clears throat> the owner of um, 
Madison Social was sitting in mm. your chair a couple months ago in his journey. You know, March 18th was the day that he highlighted yeah. you know, having to let go of a bunch of staff. And uh, my date that I will never forget was March 13th. Kristen Dozier, county commissioner, was Friday sitting Friday the 13th, I remember it. And yeah. I was so excited to watch the SEC basketball tournament. <laughs> Florida was playing the next day, and I was really not... You know, having never having never been through a pandemic. Yeah. You know, we always think it's just going to stay somewhere else, and it didn't. No. And um, yes, a lot of pivoting going on. I'm glad you mentioned that word. I think every reference of 2020 will involve the word pivot for the next <laughs> decade or <laughs> I think so. so. And congratulations on your second term. Thank you. <laughs> you know, reading such an important part of our world, and I want to talk about Jeff and some of the other authors you have mm-hmm. featured here. For me, it all began when I was 12 years old. You know, I had read A Last Babylon and, you know, the things you read in middle school or elementary school. Um, I went to McClay here in the community mm-hmm. and, you know, we had our summer reading that was required. Lord of the Flies. Yeah, I remember that. That one spoke to me, but a lot of it, a lot of it didn't. <laughs> I don't know why that would. <laughs> we'll pursue that offline a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, on the island, it's good stuff. Um, but I was in an airport with my dad. We would always go on a, um, a summer trip together. Mm-hmm. Father-son bonding, and we were off to Alaska, and he's like, we're going to be off the grid, low-tech. And low-tech back, tech back then was VHS, right? Yeah. And, you know, handheld video games that were huge. Um, so we're in the airport, and I was like, well, I probably need to buy a book. And I bought Out of the Ashes by William Johnstone, which I was reading in post-apocalyptic cool books before they were cool. You know, this is way back in the day. And I read that book, and then... Um, all the other, they all had in the ashes as their tagline. And I read about 20 of them. And luckily, you know, I moved up, no offense, William, but, you know, I started reading some more high IQ stuff, like at some Ken Follett and stuff like that. And then fast forward to your store a couple of years ago, I was looking for something to read. You know, I have a habit, like with William Johnstone, of finding an author and reading everything that they've read. Start to finish, yeah. Yeah, like Follett or Johnstone. And um, you had just hosted Dan Silva mm-hmm. at the store. And there was a damaged copy of his book, his latest one at the time. And your staff member just says, you can have it. I've been talking to her. She was super friendly. I'm like, well, I can't just take something <laughs> without buying something. And I was like, what do we got here? And she's like, well, this is kind of interesting. The Passage Trilogy by Justin Cronin. And I was like, I was like, vampire books and post-apocalyptic. I'm like, this has <laughs> got it all. Does it get any better than that? No, yeah, it doesn't. Exactly. So since that time, that was probably two years ago, I've read everything that Silva's written. No. Wonderful author. I can't wait for the new uh, book. The the, Cellist. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Coming out. He actually, I'll make news on your podcast. We have been invited to be one of the bookstores participating in his virtual tour this summer. So we will be hosting him yet again, albeit virtually. I'll get the information to you, but that will be in July, around July 12th. We'll be part of a team of indie bookstores, and I believe it is the Jewish Community Center of Atlanta will be the sponsor. So we'll have that information on our website. But you'll get to hear from him the day before his book is published. That's so cool. Yeah. So Silva, Cronin, Vandermeer, we'll talk mm-hmm. about in a second. What do you um what do you like to do with your events and what was the first one you ever did and what was the most successful one? Just walk uh, us through the whole event with the authors. Because I know they love it. Well, you know, you know, our intent was Silva the, said on Twitter that you're one of the coolest oh, entrepreneurs in the world. He, That's pretty, he is he is pretty high praise. He's he's been very generous to our store and we're huge fans of his, as you know. Um, 
Part of our goal with the bookstore was to be more than just a retail space that sold books. It was to be a community gathering space where people could come together to read, to think, to share what they were reading. I really was disillusioned. I had worked in politics for a long time about the level of um, uh, just bitterness and um, uh partisan bickering that was occurring in the country. And I wanted a place where regardless of people's political persuasions, they could come together around something that no one can argue against, and that is reading and the power of learning, and be open to new content and ideas and to be willing to be pushed on topics by other readers. And so to do that, you really have to create a community space and bring in authors and bring in writers. And Tallahassee is a wonderful place to do that. We have one of the top five creative writing programs in the nation is at Florida State, which a lot of people don't know. Students come from all over the world to compete to get into FSU's creative writing graduate program and undergraduate program. FSU has an outstanding journalism school. I mean, FAMU has an outstanding journalism school. So you have these two major universities with a lot of writers and a lot of great content. So we asked uh, Craig Pittman, who's a journalist with, was with the Tampa Bay Times, formerly St. Petersburg Times, to come in to talk about his book, O Florida, which I know you're familiar with. And he is a, he's a bit of a writer, a historian, a journalist, a comedian, and he came Very much in. a Twitter comedian. <laughs> he was our Every first day. author, and in our tiny bookstore, I think we had over 70 or 80 people to hear Craig Pittman in October of 2016, and he's been back several times since. He's been very supportive of us. We have hosted everything from big authors like James Patterson or Daniel Silver or Louise Penny to amazing um, literary fiction authors like Lauren Groff. Um, we host nonfiction authors. We just did an event virtually with a bunch of terrific children's authors for local schools uh, where I think we had over seven or 800 students exposed to these authors. Oh, and so great. we go everywhere. We sell books everywhere, but we really try to bring people together uh, with these author events and, and with with writing events. And so we've been very lucky on that front. And when we had to shift because of COVID, we shifted to Zoom. We still do Zoom events. And we found there's great reach with those because you can reach people who can't actually get to the store mm -hmm. or get to an event. So we broadened the number of people who were exposed to those authors and that content. And I think going forward, we'll start with in-store events again after Labor Day. But we'll continue to mix those up with um, Zoom content so that more people can see these authors. Yeah, I think hybrid events will be mm -hmm. the future. Uh, we were putting a monitor in our conference room, and I was thinking about our next lunch and learn. You know, we like to do cybersecurity mm -hmm. chats or social media chats, anything relevant to our members and audiences here in Florida. And, you know, I was like, you know, we'll invite people to come in if they want. Yeah. We'll invite people to come in remotely if they want. And whether it's Florida, you know, uh, law enforcement or whomever it is, you know, have a nice presentation mm -hmm. uh, virtually as well as in person. So, anywho, it's interesting what you're saying about Florida and bringing people together. I was reading an interview with um, uh, the lead singer of Heart, mm. um, Ann Wilson. Yes, you're name? dating yourself by saying that, but yes. Well, you know. <laughs> but uh, I can appreciate that. She was saying, you know, she wasn't talking politically but she was just talking broadly. She's like, I decided to leave Seattle and come mm -hmm. to Florida and just being outdoors in the community in North Florida specifically. Yeah. She's like, it's so wild. Like, you know, in Seattle, you don't have people talking about certain things because mm -hmm. 
you would be shunned, you know, if you mm-hmm. don't believe one way or the other, you know. And she was calling blue states and red states. Mm-hmm. She's like, Florida really doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. Your, you know, Leon County's blue and around it's red. She's like, but everybody just gets along. Um, and that's true up to a point, of course. You know, having worked where you used to work, and we can talk about that in a second, you know, you do see the partisan bickering and things like that. And I write for FloridaPolitics.com, yep. but I don't write a politics a political column. You know, I write about technology and mm-hmm. things that appeal to both people. And, you know, I just finished one on Venmo and just the idea mm-hmm. of privatizing Venmo. Venmo yeah. is not a social media experience or it shouldn't be. I mean, people but use it, it can as. be. When they have it public facing, like, I just bought Miley Cyrus tickets for $500. Nobody needs to know that. That, uh, <laughs> in my opinion. Yes, yeah. As, it's interesting as legal what speak, turned in my turned into. <laughs> but I did talk to Venmo. Um, other New York City office called back, and I was, you know, we got into the pandemic chat. You know, yeah. what was it like in New York? He's like, bad. How's it in Florida? I'm like, it's, yeah. it's pretty okay. Yeah. I mean, like you are saying, you closed for eight weeks. What did y'all do when you regrouped during that time? Is that when you came up with the delivery ideas and those sorts of things? We we really had to expand our website so that we could take increased traffic. So we focused on getting that ready. We also needed to know how to keep our customers and our staff safe. So like so many businesses here, we uh, required masks. We limited the number of people who could come in our store to five at a time. Um, and we also set aside private browsing on Mondays. So Monday was set up I as a that time. Was really cool. Yeah, I meant to for that if earlier. you were a little uncomfortable or you're a senior or you had a compromised immune system, you could come in and for 30 minutes, it's just you and a bookseller. And so um, we required $25 gift certificate to be purchased towards that appointment. And then it was credited to whatever was purchased in store to reserve the slot. And that was very popular uh, for for people in the community. So we tried to give a lot of different options to people. We put up plexiglass and provided free mask and hand sanitizer, but people were very polite and very willing to do whatever it took. And so we were glad to now. The whole private thing. That's that's amazing. That was fun. That was fun. Awesome. So you have a Jeff Vandermeer book over there. I do. I do. Uh, I emailed Jeff out of the blue writing a Florida politics column. I was writing about um, your bookstore. I was writing about a bookstore in Tampa. And I was looking for a regional author. And his name obviously popped up fast because of Annihilation and the success on a Hollywood level. And, of course, at a literary level. But I emailed him. And while I was typing the intro paragraph, he responded. He said, you know, let's chat. And so we ended up doing a digital interview. And what a fascinating individual. What a great writer. I read the Southern Reach trilogy yes. we were just talking about. I read Born, And I think this is next This is his up. newest book. It just came out, Hummingbird Salamander. It has a beautiful cover. And I have to say this about Jeff and also Ann Vandermeer, who is his partner, his wife, his editor. Uh, I know and, the whole family partner feels like so the, many cat, projects. the cat. The cat, too. everybody. Nano. Um, they are the most humble, kind, generous people you will ever interact with. And when the uh, pandemic hit and Jeff's tour was put on hold, uh, he came to us and said, can you essentially be the bookstore through which I'll sell first edition autograph books? And we have been shipping Jeff's books all over the globe, not just across the United States, but into Canada, the UK, Japan, Germany. He has such a following and he is so humble that many people don't realize he's here in Tallahassee. And this is his new book, Hummingbird Salamander, which um, Emily St. John Mandel, I don't know if you've read her, but she wrote The Glass Hotel, says it is 
is a harrowing, gripping, and profound experience. It's a thriller and a requiem for a disappearing world. It's a neat story about a girl who an eco-terrorist leaves her um, um, taxidermied hummingbird and a salamander. And what does that mean? And what, you know, is at risk? And what is happening? And I'm not going to go into the specifics. It is a combination thriller, sort of dystopian, fantasy. It's hard to categorize Jeff because he writes in so many different genres. Southern Reach. By, yeah. the, by the end, I'm like, what? Yeah, what so just this is this terrific. Book? But I'll tell you, I was in Montana um, a couple of weeks ago, and I was at a bookstore in Missoula, and they had prominently featured this book, Hummingbird Salamander. Very cool. And um, he is well-known to independent booksellers all over, and he's ours. He's a Tallahassee, and so this is a terrific read. You will enjoy this, Hummingbird Salamander. Well, I went to... Uh, like one of the first social gatherings in a while, uh, I guess last month, uh, my friend Ron LaFace mm. was having a birthday party. And so I went to your store Aww. and they gift wrapped for me the Southern Reach trilogy. That's a great gift. His partner, uh, Nick Iarasi, yes. was on the show uh, a few months ago to start the year. Um, great group of lobbyists yes. at Capital City Consulting. Ron, I hope you've read the book, man. We're going to have a <laughs> book club review later. But um, let's talk about uh, your background. Um, okay. You mentioned a political career. Uh, what do you want to share about how you got started? Where did you go to school? Um, well, I grew up in Mississippi, and I what went part? to school, uh, the Mississippi Delta, Greenville, just okay. north of Vicksburg on the river. My wife went south to Ole Miss, of Memphis. So, yes, um, that's right. I forgot about that. I know she the area. did, yeah. But I went away to school. I went to Vanderbilt for a couple years, mm-hmm. and I was working the summer of my freshman year in D.C. and got the political bug. And so after my sophomore year, transferred to George Washington, GW, okay. graduated from there, and went to work in. Um, President, the first President Bush, President Bush 41's campaign uh, in 1988, and then went into the White House for a couple years before I moved to Florida. So from there, I just stayed in the political process and worked for a lot of different campaigns and individuals and um, and really loved it. For 30 years, I was pretty involved in that, and that was sort of my silo, the world that I was in, mm-hmm. until I got out after the 2016 campaign. So. It's interesting when you leave something that's all you know. I mean, I worked in the music business to start my career, and it was all about gold records and uh, not winning elections, that sort of thing. But uh, yes, I pivoted into technology, and you pivoted into a bookstore now, as yeah. well as your farm and real estate. I know you all yeah. do a lot of different things uh, in your family. But what was the, uh, where did the bookstore passion idea, where did that all come from? Just a lifelong dream. I loved reading as a child. I really did. And I had, Greenville, Mississippi has a rich literary tradition. There are remarkable Mississippi authors, as you know, Eudora Welty and Walker Percy and just Shelby Foote. So many amazing Ellen Gilchrist uh, Mississippi authors. And we had a fantastic public library system in Greenville. And we also had a terrific local bookstore. And I used to go and spend hours in our neighborhood bookstore and sit in the corner and finished every Nancy Drew book. And, you know, That's to your fun. point about having a series that you loved and all the C.S. Lewis, Narnia Chronicles, and just anything I could get my hands on, I love to read. And I always thought, I worked in the library as a, as a high school student, how, um, great it would be to work in a bookstore. But then I went in a different direction. And when I made the decision to just completely get out of the political world, I knew I needed a project. I can't, I'm not very good at sitting still. And so (laughs) my husband Paul said, you should open that bookstore. And actually when I had been in the presidential campaign, I was up in New Hampshire working for Jeb Bush and our former governor. And 
something, an article from Forbes magazine came across the internet um, somehow, and I saw it, and it, it classified Tallahassee as the smartest city in Florida. And I never really thought about it, but the based on a combination of factors, including level of advanced degrees and access to education, they looked at a bunch of cities all across the United States and ranked us number one in Florida. And it seemed to be great data for a potential bookseller. Absolutely. uh, Because usually where they're smarts, they're readers. And so um, I thought about it and thought about it. And it didn't seem like, you know, it's not a great way to make money. It's not something where, you know, you sort of, you choose to do it because you love it. You know, it's labor of love, but I made the commitment to do it. I knew nothing about the business, which actually for a midlife career change was a good thing because I was okay not knowing anything. I wasn't 20 where I had to conquer the world and know the answers to everything. And so I sought a lot of help from fellow booksellers um, and went to visit bookstores all across the southeast and people were very generous with their time and they gave me a lot of guidance and so we pulled the trigger and that's awesome that's a story so well it's a great story and congratulations again thank you on the second term thank you very cool thank you so we just talked about a lot um it's a lot of uh, milestones Mm -hmm. if you had to answer one question Mm -hmm. on um, your career Mm -hmm. what's the proudest moment in your career Um, gosh, I was so lucky to do so many amazing things, you know, work for presidents and work for governors and, um, work on interesting legislation for Jeb Bush. We passed the A plus plan, which was sort of the first time a bar was set really high on, uh, grading schools and trying to get schools, you know, competitive in terms of standards. But oddly enough, I I don't know if it was my proudest moment, my most important moment was deciding to leave that career, actually. I um, felt uh, really strongly that the Republican Party was going in the wrong direction in 2016 when Trump became the nominee, and I just couldn't, it was not something I wanted to do anymore, and I just couldn't stand by and sort of stay silent. And so uh, I'm sure that's more political than you want to get, but in terms of something that mattered to me. political or non-political as <laughs> I, you I felt It depends really, on the guest cover, though, not mine. I felt really strongly that um, the party I had worked for for so long, which was a party of uh, conservative, a conservative approach to economics and fiscal responsibility, but giving people the knowledge to, you know, um, aspire and achieve great things was not that party anymore. And I have uh, two children and two stepchildren, and they're all in college or graduate school or law school now. And it was very hard for me to stand by and say, this is behavior that's okay. And so I just sort of quietly made a decision to leave and become a registered independent. But in politics, nothing is quiet, and <laughs> public records in Florida being what they are, someone told a reporter who confirmed that I had switched my party registration to become no party in Florida as independent, and it made a lot of news. And again, I don't know that I, it's my proudest moment. I think it was the most important moment for me. So Awesome. Well, we all have to have our own journey. Yeah. And congrats, congratulations again on the successes. So let's talk about the pandemic, not yeah. from a... a, a um, a business perspective, mm-hmm. but a personal perspective. Any, um, this has been a fun question yeah. this year, uh, and I don't even know if it's on our list. Uh oh. Any new hobbies <laughs> from the pandemic? Are we planting garden? Well, you're, you have a farm, so that's. I do a have a farm, one. but I, do, you know what? I never really. I mean, I work on the farm on the weekends. We, my husband's passion has always been having um, 
uh, a chicken farm and a hog farm, and we've had cattle before, but he has found this niche, which is really rare breeds of, of livestock, of poultry. And so we import birds every year from all over the world, and we sell them for the first time in the United States. And we've created this great gene bank of poultry, if you can imagine that being something <laughs> that would end. People are very interested in where their food comes from. And there was a nice article in the Democrat on that, was there not? Thank you. There was. And, and chickens are really a, a manageable livestock, a manageable breed. You know, it's not mm-hmm. easy to have a cow, but you can have a couple of hens, and they can lay a couple of eggs, and it can be in your backyard. So so we've done that. But I, um, I started... Uh, gardening from seed and that's been a lot of fun to you know actually plant something and watch it grow into something so we're growing tomatoes um, growing a lot of sunflowers a lot of different um, cut flowers and that's been really fun I've got a a lot of time to read which obviously I've always loved to do well you know Jeannie my wife she she claims to be a farmer now we have a uh, We have an herb garden, nice. which I think even garden is a stretch because they're all still in the individual pots. Well, that counts. She's but, growing them. Yeah. But she is growing them, and it does count. And I tell you what, fresh herbs, you want to talk about you know, yeah. reinvigorating some leftovers. A little rosemary in your dinner. Yeah. Rosemary on a grilled or, bone-in yeah. pork chop Saturday night. So Yum. fabulous. So yeah. good. She'll have to come. Y'all will have to come see the farm. We'd love all to. of our interesting stuff there. That sounds like fun. My so. grandfather had a farm in Dothan, Alabama when I was a youngster. And the uh, the chores of you know looking after the horses, yeah. feeding the ducks, going down to the catfish pond, the bass pond. Then he had peacocks. Wow. And then geese. The geese, you would think, were easy, but they Pretty would come aggressive. by my window every morning <laughs> at 6 a.m. They knew I was there. Yeah. They didn't like the grandson at all. Yeah. And mah, 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 mah. <laughs> Anywho. It's funny. Uh, as we close today, what yep. is next for Sally Bradshaw and Midtown Reader? Well, like any small business owner, we're still you know navigating how to recover from the pandemic, pandemic and move to profitability. My goal was to break even in five years, and knock on wood, I think we're going to be in the position to do that. We are looking for a new manager. Our current manager is going back to school in the fall, so she's going to continue to work part-time, but we're in the process of accepting applications. We have some terrific resumes out there so we'll be hiring some new staff and just you know continuing to expand our reach and we are expanding our business we are going into railroad square and opening railroad reader this fall and so it will there be a focus on space down there a great space down there and a space that really can bring FSU students and FAMU students and faculty together and so we're going to focus that effort on a small pop-up shop in a shipping container and uh, we'll be selling books that would be uh, appealing to college students, graduate students, that type of thing. So we, we're expanding. a great expanding. idea. So. With the whole shipping container look and vibe is awesome. And Aegis is also hiring for an account executive. Ah, Glad you said something. Nice. you got to get the word out. Yeah, we do. The best people come from referrals. Well, thank you so much, Sally, for yeah, joining thanks us for having today. Me. Thank you for your support of our story, you and your entire team. Not only the work you do with us through Aegis, which is just top-notch, but being great readers and talking about us to other people and, and supporting us. I'm grateful to you and Jeannie and the whole team over there. So, Well, thank you. We love working with quality individuals like yeah. you and Paul. Y'all are amazing citizens here thank in North you. Florida. And we appreciate you. Yeah, you too. You too. Thanks. Good stuff. Be safe out there with cybersecurity. Support Midtown Reader. And maybe we'll have a special book announcement from oh, me yes. coming up in the next couple I'm of months. I'm counting on you doing your book birthday at Midtown Reader. We're counting on you doing an event It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. We so. won't drop too many details okay, sorry. today. Because okay. our vast audience, we don't want to have any spoilers out there. <laughs> but uh, thank you, Producer Josh. And 
get out there, enjoy our community, support Midtown Reader. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I'm Blake Dowling. Have a great day.